And um, sometimes when we're praying about things, we like we like things to be sometimes fast. You know, just a quick prayer. Say a prayer, amen, it's done. But sometimes there's prevailing prayer. There's travailing prayer. Paul said, I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. Here this church had started out on fire, then they got into legalism and they started drifting out of faith. And then Paul, he, you know, he didn't just say, Lord, help them and get them back on track and open their eyes and be done with it. But he travailed in the spirit of prayer. He travailed until Christ be formed. In the book of Colossians, Paul was writing to the church in Colosso and he was telling them about a servant, a man named Epaphroditus. And he was a man who labored until they were complete until they were able to be strong and complete in all the will of God. But he labored for them. He labored in prayer for them. It was something that wasn't just a, a quick prayer, but he labored in that prayer. And God helped him. Herod took James, the brother of John, and he killed him with a sword. And all the, all the Jewish, religious Jewish people got excited. They said, all right, good, get rid of those Christians. And so then he went after Peter, and he got Peter, and he put him in jail. And he was going to execute him, but it was, it was time of the Passover. So he decided to keep him in jail, but he had him locked in, 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 in bonds and stocks and had guards right next to him, one on each side of him. And uh, there wasn't any way he was going to get out of there in the natural. And the church could have said, well, you know, persecution, that's it, it's over. But they, they prayed. They went into someone's house and they prayed. They prayed all night. They were praying all day, praying. And as they were praying, obviously Peter had peace because he was sleeping. I mean, if you knew you were going to be executed and you could fall asleep, you're doing pretty good. But he had peace. An angel came and woke him up. And he was in such a deep sleep, he didn't even know if he was awake or if he was having a vision. But that angel unlocked his bonds, unlocked his, the things that held him, opened up the prison door, didn't even wake up the guards on either side of him, and just escorted him out of there. And here he ends up at the house with the prayer meeting going on. He's knocking on the door. Rhoda comes to the door. She sees him. She's like, like we're praying for him, and he's at the door. She couldn't believe it. She ran back in the house. She said, he's at the door. She didn't even open the door and let him in. But see, sometimes it's, it's those types of prayers that we need to do more of to get the breakthroughs. We're in a season of warfare right now. We're in a season of warfare. And, you, you know, sometimes you just got to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to put the dinner aside tonight. I'm going to 
put this aside tonight. I'm going to get into some prayer. There's some things that has to get dealt with. There's some things that I have to get into the realm of the Spirit on and start to intercede on and get into that place. You know, Jesus talked about prayer in Luke chapter 11. And in that, you know, he talks about the Lord's Prayer. But then he goes, he doesn't stop his train of thought. Because they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so then he goes into, in Luke chapter 11, um, let me just pull it up here. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 5, and again, he's teaching on prayer, and he said, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. How many of you have a friend? And, what's that? There you go. And goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine who is on a journey has come to visit me and I have nothing to serve him. And from the inside, he answers, do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. But I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything just because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence and boldness, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. And so he says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives, and he who keeps on seeking persistently finds, and to him who keeps on knocking persistently the door will be open. And then he talks about how good of a father is, what kind of a father he is. But in this particular parable, he's talking about prayer. And so there's a man over here at home, and somebody comes to his house, a friend, and he has need of something. And the man doesn't have what that person needs, what his friends need. He doesn't have it, but he knows a friend who has it. So he says, stay here. He goes over to his other friend's house, and he is knocking on the door, begging, saying, hey, I need some bread. And eventually, that friend gives him the bread he needs, so he can take that and give it to his other friend in need. You know, our prayer lives will have an impact upon the people around us. 
When we, when we go into prayer, when we get into those places of prayer, into those realms of glory, into the presence of God where we're able to receive and draw from him and get things into our life, those things that we get into our life that give us breakthrough, that give us healing, that give us deliverance, that give us wisdom, that give us strength and power, those things are things that we can bring into other people's lives and give to them like bread. Your prayers can go beyond distance, go into situations, go into other people's lives. Your prayers, as you're praying for people, you're over here, you're going to your, your heavenly father, you're, you're knocking on heaven's door, but he's about to give you something, or he's about to give them something because of your prayers, because of your travail. When Paul was travailing for those Galatians, he was in this prayer. He was in this intercession. He was travailing deeply for them. And there were influences upon the people of Galatia that was pulling them away from faith. It was pulling them away from the Spirit. It was getting them back into a Judaism, back into a legalism, back into a religious spirit. And so that's, that religious spirit was pulling on them. But here Paul is praying in the spirit. And as he's praying, whatever that demonic influence, whatever that pull, whatever that distraction that was trying to pull, him, pull them away, he was able to stop it. To get their minds back, to get them to be able to think. You know, the God of this world, he blinds people's minds because if he didn't blind their mind, they would see how good God is and they would want him. Because he's just that good. So he tries to blind their minds. He puts an influence on there. There's an influence that's trying to, to get on people, to hinder them, to see things, to understand things, to feel things from God. But as we pray for them, we break off of those, we break those influences off of them. That's why we, we pray for our family, pray for our children, pray for our loved ones. Never give up. I don't care how wicked they seem, as long as you are standing in the gap and you are praying for them and you are pleading the blood of Jesus over them and you are praying for God to open their eyes and to speak to them, there is a hand of God that's coming upon them, a hand of God that's working in their life, a hand of God that's preserving them and keeping them and dealing with them. And even if it's in their final breath, they're going to come. They're going to come. Because of the hand of God. We can pray that hand of God to come upon situations. Lord, put your hand on this. Lord, you touch this. Lord, you manifest yourself here. You send the angel of the Lord in that place. Your angel of the Lord come in there and begin to manifest the glory of God, manifest the power of God, fight back the demons. That's what our prayer can do. Elijah, here God told him it's going to rain. So he goes and he prays, right? But he doesn't just say one prayer. He gets down, he prays fervently, he prays earnestly. 
I'm sure there's thoughts coming against his mind, but he's pressing through those thoughts to really connect with God, to pray, to seek after God. He gets up and he says, is there any rain yet? Not yet. And he does this, what, seven times? And then the Bible commends that. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. See, we have, we have a place with God. We have a place with God in the throne room. He's made us a kingdom of priests unto him. And as priests, see, priests have a responsibility to bring the people before God. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament priests had to wear a certain type of breastplate that had stones on it, and, and stones on it, and each of those stones represented one of the tribes of Israel. And so, when that priest was going to go before the Lord, he had to wear that breastplate because he was representing the people to God. And that's a picture of what we can do as a kingdom of priests. What we can do is represent people to God. That we have our family, that we can represent them to God. People that God put in our life, that we're, that we're ministering to, that we're reaching out to, we can represent them before God. We can be an intercessor on their behalf. An intercessor is one who stands in the gap. The Lord was going to bring judgment upon uh, Israel. And before he was doing that, the Bible says he sought for a man to stand in the gap. A judgment was coming, and he was hoping that somebody would stand in the gap. You know, God was going to destroy Israel because of what happened. Him and Moses were having a great time up in the mountain. The children of Israelites got into all kinds of idolatry they made a golden calf they were doing all kinds of wickedness claiming that was their god that brought them out of egypt and god was furious he said moses i moses you sit down you better not see this i'm going down there and i'm wiping them out and i'm going to start all over with you and Moses began to intercede. He began to pray. And he said, God, if you wipe them out, if you destroy them, it's going to discredit your name. Because the rest of the world is going to say that you were not able to bring them where they need to go. You weren't able to take care of them. That you somehow fell short on what you could do and therefore, they died. And that touched the heart of God. Because he knew, it's interesting how a man could have a conversation with God like that. And have that much pull, if you will, persuasion with God. And it was because of Moses' prayer that God did not destroy the children of Israel. 
Then Moses said, well, or God said to Moses, he said, all right, here's the thing. We'll, we'll clean this up. We'll, we'll take care of some stuff. But then when I'm all done and you're traveling, my presence will no longer go with you. You'll have the cloud. You'll have the fire. But you won't have my presence. And Moses prayed again. And he said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, if your presence is not going to be there with us, then blot my name out of your book. Take me out. I can't do this without your presence. We can't do this without your presence. Your presence is everything to me. And if I don't have your presence, then it's not worth it anymore. It's just not worth it. And so God's presence went with them because Moses prayed. We can pray the presence of God into a situation. We can pray the presence of God into a situation. We need the presence of God. We need God to show up in our homes. We need God to show up in our families, to show up in our children's lives, to show up in our, in our neighbors, to show up in the people that we love and we care for and we're praying for and we're ministering to. We need the presence of God to show up in those lives. And God has given us a position, a place before him. Because he made us a kingdom of priests. That we can do that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that we're in that place. We thank you, Lord, that you put us in that place. Lord, thank you that we're in that place. That even now as we're here tonight, Lord, as we're, as we're listening to the word, Lord, we're in a place and a position of priestly anointing. We're in your courtroom, Lord. We're in your in the Holy of Holies. You've made a way for us through the blood of Jesus to go enter into the Holy of Holies. And right now, in this hour, in this moment, we are in the Holy of Holies with you. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you're a miracle-working God. We thank you that you're a powerful-working God. We thank you, Lord, that you have mercy. And Lord, we just speak mercy over this man's life, over Ben's life. We just speak mercy over him, Lord. I don't know where he was at, Lord. I don't know his spiritual condition. But Lord, have mercy. Bring his spirit in, back into his body to give him a second chance, to give him a chance. I take authority over fear and over sorrow that's trying to come against the family right now. We bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your resurrection power. We thank you, Lord, for your resurrection power. We lift him up to you, Father. We say, Lord, his life was cut short. Lord, this life was cut short. It was cut too short. You, your plan wasn't for us to die at all anyways, but not at, especially at 28 years old, Lord. That's too young, Lord. It's too young. And people are dying at these ages all over with all kinds of issues and drugs and violence and things going on. 
And Lord, you've given to us power to pray, power to intercede, power to stand in the gap. And so, Lord, as we as we are here tonight, Lord, just bring us into that. Continue to usher us into that, Lord, to, to show us, Lord. Help us to realize the power that we have through prayer, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one avails much. It avails much. It changes things. Governments are changed through the prayers of the righteous. Evil is overturned through the prayers of the righteous. Lives are changed through the prayers of the righteous. So, Lord, we thank you for that. That right now we're in your we are in your presence, Lord. We're in your holy of holies right now. We're in your throne room. And we worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. You're our heavenly Father. Yes, you're God. Yes, you're supreme deity. Yes, your majesty and your glory and your excellence. But you're also our heavenly Father. You're our heavenly Father. You put the spirit of your son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There's a belonging. We belong to you. We come to you as children that just trust you, that love you, that desire to be with you, that want to know you, that know that you're there protecting, you're there providing, you're there looking out for us. That as this, as this relationship we have with you, Lord, we're actually, we're actually heirs of God through Jesus Christ. We're heirs of God. You've made us heirs of God. Lord, we're heirs of God. Oh, Lord, help us to see that. Help us to realize that. Help us to know that, Lord, that we are heirs of God through this father and son relationship, father and daughter relationship, that we're heirs of God that you have an inheritance for us, Lord. Thank you for that inheritance, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that privilege, for that honor to come into your presence, to worship you, Lord, to worship you, Lord, for who you are. Just worship the Father right now. Father, we worship you. Father, we just worship you. We thank you, Father, you're so good. We thank you, Father, that you're so kind. Father, we thank you that you are merciful. Father, we thank you that you are loving. Father, that you love us with a love that is so strong and so powerful and so real. Lord, that you love us and care for us. Lord, that you loved us so much that you were willing to send your son Jesus to die a brutal death on the cross and to suffer and to take on all of our sins and all of our shame and all of our sickness. He took it all on his body because you loved us. You loved us. So, Lord, we thank you for this love. We thank you, Lord, for your true living love, Lord. We worship you and thank you, Father. You're our Father. We cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Heavenly Father. You're our Abba, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Oh, you are our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Oh, you are holy. You are holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, you are holy. You are wonderful. You are mighty. You are majestic. You are glorious. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord, that you have chosen us, that, Lord, that you have reached down to us, Lord, and brought us into your kingdom, Lord, that you brought us into your kingdom, Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you tonight, Lord. We honor your presence, Lord. We honor your your glory, Lord, that you are magnificent. Lord, that you are mighty. Lord, that you are the only true God. Lord, you are magnificent. Lord, you are majestic. Lord, we thank you right now that we're in your throne room and that we can just worship you. We can worship you for the beauty of your holiness, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Continue to open our eyes to see you, Lord. Continue to open our ears to hear you, Lord. Continue to show us more of you, Lord. We desire to see you just as Moses prayed. We pray, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us who you are, Lord. Lord, just manifest yourself in our midst, Lord. Just let your light, your radiance, your goodness, your life just overtake us, Lord, and fill us, Lord, so that all that we can see, Lord, is, is you and that you become the focus of our life, Lord, and that everything we do, we do is unto you, Lord. We do it with your strength, Lord. We do it with your ability, Lord. We do it with your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Lord, we offer our bodies to you tonight as a living sacrifice. Lord, we offer ourselves to you tonight, Lord. Lord, that you... God, there's, there's nothing we can give you that would add to your glory or to your kingdom. But, Lord, we give you ourselves. We give you our bodies, Lord. We give ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. And we just say, Lord, take us. Live in us. Work in us. Do in our life as, as it pleases you, Lord. As it pleases you, Lord, do in our life. We just give ourselves to you tonight, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. When the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, that's what he said. He said, when you pray, say, our Father, 
who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You know, that's like the first step. You know, that's the first step that a lot of times people try to skip that step. And they're going right to the give us this day our daily bread. And, you know, not even getting to the forgive us of our sins. Just, just give me some bread, Lord. Take care of these problems. Take care of these situations. I need help here. I need you to fix this here. Can you help me there? And they're trying to just go right to that place. And they're forgetting the worship. And then they're wondering, why? Why am, why am I not getting answers to my prayer? Why am I not getting breakthroughs? Why is it not changing? Why aren't situations getting any better? Well, there's this, there's this place of the, of the throne room that he wants us to go into it. See, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, right? And he said to her that you Samaritans, you worship over here and, and us Jews, we worship over here. And she's trying to get religious, like, you know, who's worshiping in the right place? And Jesus says, it doesn't really matter anymore which mountain you worship on, but God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So what is the Father seeking? What's he seeking? True worshipers. He doesn't necessarily seek the worship. Even though the worship is good, but he's seeking the worshiper. Because when the worshiper is worshiping him, the heart is open wide. He can come in there. He can do things. He can manifest his love, his power, his goodness, his glory, make some changes, rearrange some things, do what he wants to do. That's why he said worship him in spirit and in truth because that's the place where we get real with God where we get open with God, where we get sincere with God, where God's word is, is right there just dealing with us in different areas and we're giving things to him and yielding things to him. See, a lot of times people are, are coming to, you know, they, the Bible says, you know, we enter his courts through praise and thanksgiving, right? But once we get into the courts, then what do we do? There's, a, there's, a, there's something we need to do. And in Psalms 96, verse 8, it talks about we worship him in the beauty. We bring him a sacrifice ourselves, and then we worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Psalms 96, I think verse 8. And then Psalms 100, verse 4, talks about entering his gates. So a lot of times people, get, you know, they, they go through the praise, they go through the thanksgiving, and they're in the court. But then they leave the court when the music stops, when the emotions are over. Then they leave that. And even though it's good to praise the Lord, and even though it's good to thank the Lord, that individual hasn't really come to the place of change. They really haven't come to the place where, where it got deep into their heart, where they really encountered the heart of God. But when we get into that courtroom, 
Now we go into worship. And in that worship, that's where we find God. That's where God gets down in there. See, all of us have, from time to time, we have little, you know, superficial things. <laughs> you know, like, Jesus, you can come in my living room, but don't go in my bedroom. <laughs> You're not allowed into the bedroom. But see, when we get into worship, he, get, he has the whole house. We just give him the keys. It's all yours, Lord. And then we get into the rest of the Lord's prayer. Then praying for different needs becomes a lot easier. We can receive what we need. You know, people that are walking around with cares and anxieties and fears and worries as a Christian are people who are not entering into worship. Because when they enter into worship and they see their Heavenly Father for who He is, then those fears, those cares, those worries, those anxieties, they go. Because we know our Heavenly Father and how much He loves us and how good He provides for us and He'll never leave us or forsake us. And then we're not trying to hide sin. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Lord, we're, we're willing. Clean this out. I don't want this to get in the way between you and I. I don't want this at all because I want to be able to just hear your voice and see you and be close to you. So forgive me of my sins. And, and those, that have, those that have hurt me, those that have done me wrong, Lord, I forgive them because I don't want any of their wrongdoing to be a bitterness in my soul to defile me, to hinder me. People are going to hurt you. People are going to say things about you. Sometimes they're going to say it intentionally. Sometimes they're going to just say it because that's just, uh, uh, you know, who they are or misunderstanding they have. But in any case, you just got to let it go. And that's, that's what you do when you're in God's presence. Lord, have mercy on me. How could Jesus say, Father, forgive them? They know not what they do. He was in the presence of God. And then lead us not into temptation. You know, what's, what's the opposite of not being led into temptation? It's being led of the Spirit. It's being walking in the Spirit. So as we, as we get into this place of worship and stay in this place of worship, then as we get into different areas of our life where we're struggling or need to overcome stuff, we can hook up more to the Spirit and be led of the Spirit. What does James say about the Temptation, he says, every man is drawn away of his own lust. So lusts are inside of us just because of the culture and certain influences, but they don't have to stay there, and they don't have to control us. A lust can get created real quickly, but it can be subdued even quicker by the presence of God. And we can be led by the Spirit as we stay in that place of worship. And in that place of worship, we know who we are in Christ. See, it's a holy place. It's a holy place. And when you're in that holy place and something unholy is trying to come in there and do some damage, you get a little mad. <laughs> you get a little angry, a little testy. You're like, you don't belong here. Get out of here. 
reminds me of the story of Abraham when he's cutting a covenant with God and they're they're doing a covenant thing together and Abraham's cutting some bowls and he's cutting them in half and he's laying them out and him and God are going to walk right through the middle of the carcasses and cut a covenant together. And then these vultures came and they tried to, you know, attack the carcasses and Abraham had to grab a stick and he had to beat them out. Get these dirty birds out of here. Well, see, when you're, in, when you're in worship with the Lord and the enemy comes in there, you recognize him right away and you just fight, you just, that holy righteousness comes up inside of you. You say, no, get out of here, devil. You don't belong in this. See, we get out of our passivity and we get into the, the fire and the, and the zeal of the Lord when we're in that place of worship. And so when he was talking about prayer, he's saying, you know what, this, these things that begin to work in your prayer life come, they, they really come out of this place of worshiping your father. Having that intimate relationship with him. And so that's what he was trying to get across to them. Because they they. You know, it's funny because he said in, in another passage, he, when he talked about the Lord's Prayer, he said before that, he said, don't use vain repetition, right? So then he gives them the Lord's Prayer, and then what, is, what does a religious group do? They take that and they make it into a vain repetition. <laughs> but sometimes people just don't know. They're too much in themselves when they pray. There's too much in their soul. There's too much in their situation. There's, they're into too much of how they feel and what's going on and what this person said and what these influences are saying. And they're kind of wrapped in that and they're trying to pray out of that. And they can't because it's in their soul. Jesus talked about the, the these two men went to the temple to pray. One of them was... A Pharisee, and he started to pray, and he started to say, God, I thank you that I'm not like the extortioner, and I'm not like this evil person, and I'm not like that. And he's going through all the lists of the things of, you know, who he is, and I'm not even like this tax collector over here, and I fast, and I pay tithe, and he's going through all of these things, right? And then the other guy, he's on his face, he's like, can't even look to God. He says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. You're righteous. You're good. You're holy. And, and I just need you. And Jesus said, who, I tell you, the man that was humbled himself, he went justified. But the other one did not. But it's interesting in that particular passage, Jesus said that this Pharisee prayed within himself. Prayed thus to himself. You know, sometimes people get wrapped up into, they're just praying. Yes, they're, they're saying God, but they're too wrapped up into the natural influences and reasonings around them. But to get into worship, we get out of that. We get things clear up. The clouds go away. Our vision gets clear and we can see things. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you've given to us this fellowship that we can have with you. Lord, that it is a real intimate fellowship with you. 
Lord, that it brings us out of ourselves. It brings us out of our weaknesses. It brings us out of our struggles. And it brings us into a place where there's life and there's joy and there's strength and there's peace and there's healing. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, we thank you that you have opened up the veil for us. That each one of us, when we go in our time of prayer with you, Lord, that we are privileged to go into the Holy of Holies, to stand in the very presence of the Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that our prayer lives would just continue to increase and be enriched and be strengthened in all that you desire to do and to manifest and to work in our prayer life. Father, we pray that we will tap into that, we will walk in that, we will experience that. And Lord, we will not settle for anything less but your presence and to worship you and to see you in the beauty of your holiness. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.